Hey, this is Dave DeCamp from Antiwar.com. This is Antiwar News for Monday, October 9th, 2023. All right, so the big news over the weekend was on Saturday, Hamas launched a very big attack on Israel, really unprecedented. Hamas has never done anything like this before. The attack was launched from Gaza into southern Israel. Um, you know, there was a barrage of rocket fire. Uh, Hamas fighters actually entered Israel. According to Israeli officials, about a thousand of them went into Israel. And things have escalated since then. Um, there's been a lot of violence. And, you know, for this conflict between Israel and the Palestinians in Gaza, you know, in this case, it's Hamas that went on the offensive here. But since then, Israel has been bombarding the Gaza Strip. Um, the casualties are huge. Uh, this is a big thing that's happening here. As of early Monday morning in Israel, at least 629 Israelis have been killed. And again, that's a huge number. And about 420 Palestinians have been killed by Israel, and that's mainly as a result of the airstrikes on Gaza. So the Israelis, um, you know, there's been some horrific videos online of Hamas, you know, gunning down civilians and things like that. They had people like paragliding in. Um, and then on the other side of it, you see these high-rise buildings being destroyed by Israel um, and just horrific reports coming out of Gaza. And the Gaza Strip has been under blockade since 2007, so 15 years of blockade. And, you know, there's a lot of causes for what has happened here uh, with this attack and, you know, you're seeing this narrative being repeated by American politicians that this attack was unprovoked. And, you know, I'm not sure if there was a single incident, a single thing Israel did recently to provoke this. But again, Gaza's been under blockade for so long. Um, and this Netanyahu government, when since they came in at the end of December 2022, the violence against Palestinians has skyrocketed mainly because of the big raids that they've carried out in the West Bank and Janine and other places. Settler violence is on the rise. You have this extremist Israeli government that wants to, that is prioritizing expanding settlements. Their ultimate goal is to annex the West Bank. Um, so a lot of things compounding on top of each other. A lot of people want this to be kind of a simple geopolitical thing and say, this is some Iran-backed invasion to sabotage the taunt between the Saudis and Israel, and that could be related to this. But again, there's just this is not a new conflict. Israel has been at war with the Palestinians, you know, essentially since 1948, since they uh, kicked 700,000 people out of their homes and created the state of Israel on top of what used to be a land inhabited by Palestinians. Um, so that's the situation. And again, it's just horrific violence, and it's only going to escalate. And I think this thing's going to get really, really bad. And it, I mean, it already is, but it's just going to get worse. 
All right, so to get into the news stories here, U.S. officials said on Sunday that they expect Israel to launch a ground invasion of Gaza within the next 24 to 48 hours after the government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu formally declared it was at war with Hamas. So this was reported by the Wall Street, sorry, the Washington Post on Sunday, according to U.S. officials. So that's the estimate. And right before I started recording, um, I saw an Israeli military spokesman put out a video on Twitter. I should probably add this to the article. He was saying that they have 100,000 troops amassed at the border uh, with Gaza and that they're going to go in and that the plan is to make sure Hamas cannot govern the Gaza Strip anymore. So that means regime change in Gaza. And that's something realistically Israel's, you know, there's gonna they're going to face a lot of resistance, not just from Hamas or Islamic Jihad, but just from ordinary people that are there that have nowhere to go, I'm sure. And it's going to be brutal. I think they're really going to level the place. So this is uh, just, it's going to be uh, a disaster. And again, I put the casualty numbers in here. So it's over 100,000 people, including Israelis and Palestinians, are already dead in just two days of this thing. So fighting in southern Israel was still ongoing on Sunday afternoon, and that Israeli military spokesman said that they're going to focus on uh, that fighting, you know, clearing Hamas out of the areas of southern Israel before they go into Gaza. So Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad claimed that they had taken captive 130 people from Israel into Gaza, including some Israeli soldiers. They want Israel to release thousands of Palestinian prisoners in exchange for the Israelis. Uh, Previously, you know, years ago, uh, Hamas exchanged one Israeli soldier that they captured for about a thousand Palestinian prisoners. So that seems to be their thinking with this. But it looks like, you know, Israel is just going to invade unless, you know, maybe that's what Hamas wanted. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that if they did something like this, Israel would use it as an excuse to level the place. Um, so maybe they think they could take them on if they if they try to invade. So Hamas gunned down Israeli civilians in this attack, including there was the reports of a music festival uh, attack that was going on near Gaza. Uh, Israeli strikes on Gaza have also killed civilians. One man told AP that 19 members of his family were wiped out in a strike on his house. And according to him, it was just civilians and children and women in the house. He said... Israel sent a warning that they were going to bomb another house that was nearby, but they ended up bombing his house. So because Gaza is under blockade, its residents have nowhere to flee, and a major Israeli ground assault on the enclave will incur massive civilian casualties. Over 2 million people live in Gaza. I believe it's up to 2.3 million now. It's one of the most densely populated places on Earth. And the U.S. is strongly backing Israel as it's expected to invade Gaza. We'll get more into what that means in the next couple stories. So the Washington Post also reported that Israel has requested heightened cooperation with the U.S. on military intelligence sharing related to southern Lebanon. Early on Sunday, Israel struck Lebanon after Hezbollah launched rockets at Israeli military posts in the disputed Sheba Farms area. So that signals the possibility of a two-front war, but so far, nothing has escalated beyond that. And that happens once in a while. Rockets get fired across that border from time to time. Um, All right, so the next one here. President Biden tells Netanyahu that more military aid is on its way. 
So President Biden spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Sunday for the second time since Hamas launched an operation in southern Israel and said that more U.S. military aid was on the way. So according to the White House, President Biden conveyed that additional assistance for the Israeli Defense Forces is now on its way to Israel with more to follow over the coming days. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in a statement that the U.S. will be rapidly providing the IDF with additional equipment, including munitions. And they're saying the first security assistance will begin moving today, and that was said on Sunday. So Israel already receives $3.8 billion in military aid each year from the U.S. And that's why, in general, you know, I know since I started the show, I haven't covered Israel and Palestine really too much because the it's been you know the war in Ukraine has been the big thing but you know the reason why we care about this so much at antiwar.com is that the US is involved in this conflict with all this military aid all the political cover that they give the Israelis so to the people of Gaza to the to, to Hamas you know the, they're going to be at war with the US as well um so in this call with Netanyahu, President Biden also pledged his full support for the government and the people of Israel. Israel has been bombarding Gaza in response to the Hamas assault. That's just a little background at the end of the article that I mentioned that stuff before. So they already have new military aid on the way. I don't know where the funding is coming from because it's not from the $3.8 billion that the U.S. gives Israel each year. As far as I understand it, this is additional aid they're saying. So I don't know where they're getting the money to do this. Kind of shows that they can make money appear to fund proxy wars, uh, you know, whenever they whenever they want. All right. So the next one here, the U.S. deploys an aircraft carrier strike group to support Israel. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin announced on Sunday that he's ordered the deployment of an aircraft carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean to show U.S. support for Israel amid fighting in Gaza and southern Israel. The strike group is led by the aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford, and it also includes uh, Ticonderoga-class missile cruiser and uh, several missile guided missile destroyers. So it's a pretty significant show of force that the U.S. is doing here. And on top of the deployment, Austin said that the U.S. is increasing its presence of fighter jets in the region. He said they've taken steps to augment U.S. Air Force F-35, F-15, F-16, and A-10 fighter aircraft squadrons in the region. So the U.S. is really showing strong support. Um, You know, there's no indication right now that the U.S. is planning on entering this thing directly. Historically, the U.S. has not done that uh, with Israeli wars against the Palestinians. But I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about what's happening here. I I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. supported Israel with airstrikes here. I think if Biden tried to get an authorization through Congress, I think he would be able to do it pretty easily. Um, And he could probably just do it without an authorization anyway. So I think it's something we have to look out for and we have to really just be, uh, you know, opposing all these escalations and U.S. involvement in what's going on here. Um, So the next one, we just have live updates from Middle East Eye. They have a pretty good, you know, live blog on, on all the you know, updates when it comes to this, um, this conflict that's going on. Yeah. And their death toll is still about the same 659 Israelis, 420 Palestinians. Um, so we just keep that up because it's, you know, this is 
there's so much going on and, you know, we're not going to be able to keep up with everything. So it's a nice resource to have. So the next one here, an Israeli lawmaker says that pogroms against Palestinians provoked the uh, Hamas attack. So an Israeli lawmaker told Al Jazeera on Saturday that his party had been warning that Israeli policies toward Palestinians would erupt into the violence that Israel is experiencing in the wake of the Hamas assault. So these comments were made by Ofer Kassif, and he's a member of the Knesset, which is Israel's parliament, in the leftist Hadash party. His views are certainly not among, you know, it's a pretty minority view in the Israeli Knesset, the things that he's saying here, you know, he's, you know, doesn't represent any kind of majority. His his party, the Hadash party, holds four seats in the 120-seat parliament. But he said, and uh, he's also Jewish, and he said, quote, we condemn and oppose any assault on innocent civilians, but in contrast, the Israeli government To the Israeli government, that means that we oppose any assault on Palestinian civilians as well. We must analyze those terrible incidents in the right context, and that is the ongoing occupation. We have been warning time and time again, everything is going to erupt, and everybody is going to pay a price, mainly innocent civilians on both sides, and unfortunately, that is exactly what's happened, end quote. Um, So I just go through some things I mentioned earlier, the things that have been happening since the Netanyahu government came into power. Um, And, you know, I remember thinking to myself at certain points here with that raid in Janine, uh, it was huge. Uh, One of them, uh, a thousand Israeli soldiers went in there and there wasn't much of a response. You know, you would expect more of a response from Hamas in, in some of these things. And it looks like I guess they were planning something for a while. And that's a whole nother aspect of this thing to get into that I didn't really mention is the intelligence, the apparent intelligence failure of Israel not being aware that Hamas was planning a huge attack like this. You know, that's a whole nother thing, but it is surprising and it's definitely embarrassing uh, for uh, the Israeli military that this happened. Um So anyway, uh, just to read more of this guy's quote, he said, quote, the Israeli government, which is a fascist government, supports, encourage and leads pogroms against the Palestinians. There is an ethnic cleansing going on. It was obvious the writing was on the wall, written in the blood of the Palestinians and unfortunately now Israelis as well, end quote. So he urged for de-escalation and he said that the people calling for the destruction of Gaza are only encouraging another bloodbath. And he also strongly denounced the Hamas assault, calling the actions horrific crimes. So I just thought it was worth pointing out that there is an Israeli lawmaker, Israeli Knesset member, uh, saying things like this, saying things that, you know, uh, you know, taking a risk, I think, right now saying something like this. And for us Americans that are, you know, against U.S. involvement in this, you know, we're going to get smeared, uh, called all sorts of things for opposing um you know, U.S. involvement in this and support for Israel. So I just thought it was good to point that out. Uh, All right. So the next one here, this is from Middle East Eye. Gaza's hospitals on verge of blackout after Israel cuts electricity supplies. So the Israeli government, because they control all the electricity, pretty much all of the electricity, I believe it's about 80% that Israel controls going into Gaza, they cut that all off. So as Gaza is getting bombed, their hospitals are struggling, uh, you know, without power. 
They've also cut off the uh, import of fuel into Gaza. So that means whatever they have for generators isn't going to last very long. Um, so it's just a really difficult situation for the people inside Gaza that are that are dealing with all this. And, you know, it seems like the airstrikes are continuing, you know, overnight, you know, right now as I'm recording this, I guess it's it's early morning over there, but they're not going to get much of a break. Uh, one that I uh, skipped here, Representative McCall says that the ho- a House Speaker is needed to replenish Israel's Iron Dome. So Representative Michael McCall, he's a Republican from Texas. He is the head of the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. He said on Sunday that the House needs to elect a Speaker so the House can replenish Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system. Um, So that means giving Israel more military aid. He said, quote, we have to get a speaker elected this week so we can get things on the floor like replenishing the Iron Dome, end quote. So the Iron Dome is Israel's missile defense system, and the U.S. has funded the development of it. So again, Israel gets $3.8 billion each year from the U.S., and this is something that Israel has requested before. Following a 2021 bombing campaign in Gaza, Israel asked the U.S. for an additional $1 billion in funding for the Iron Dome, and they got it. Uh, it was authorized in 2020, so that $1 billion was on top of the $3.8 billion, so that year they got $4.8 billion. And that was a pretty major flare-up. Over 250 Palestinians were killed in that bombing campaign, and Israel got another billion dollars. So what they're facing right now, what what's happened right now, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we start getting into much bigger numbers here for Israel. You know, I wouldn't say comparable to Ukraine because Israel does have a military and um, pretty modern military. But we'll see. I mean, I just wouldn't be surprised. And unfortunately, you see people that are opposed to the Ukraine aid. You know, calling to give Israel more money. Jim Jordan, the who might be elected as House Speaker, who has voted against all the Ukraine aid packages, is saying. We got to get more money to Israel, you know, so uh, all a lot, pretty much all of the Republicans in Congress that are good on Ukraine are going to be bad on this issue. They're going to want to send billions more over to Israel. All right. So getting into Ukraine, the next one here, President Biden considers a $100 billion Ukraine aid package. So this was reported by the Telegraph on Saturday, which is interesting because that's a British outlet. And they said that President Biden is considering asking Congress for a massive $100 billion spending package for the war in Ukraine. The idea of the huge spending package would be to front fund the proxy war through the 2024 election without having to worry about the growing opposition to the policy in Congress as the majority of the House and the Senate currently still support arming Ukraine. So a source familiar with the discussions said, quote, the big package idea is firmly supported by many throughout the administration. Supporters of Ukraine want this to be a one and done big bill and then not have to deal with it until after the next election, end quote. So if you remember in the last show, I went over a report from Defense News that said multiple senators have also proposed this idea of passing a huge package to get through a whole year. Senator Lindsey Graham put the price tag at $70 billion, but now you have Biden apparently considering $100 billion, and that would bring total spending on this proxy war to $213 billion. 
An unnamed Biden administration official told The Telegraph that the White House is not making any decisions about whether or not to do this uh, until they elect a new House speaker. So I guess depending on who gets the position uh, is how they're going to play it. I think if this came up to a vote, $100 billion to fund the proxy war for a full year, I think it would pass. The issue is getting it on the floor in the House where you have enough Republicans against it that it's they make it difficult to do that. I mean, who knows? Are we going to see some sort of Ukraine-Israel proxy war mega package? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. So the next one here, this is from Kyle at the Libertarian Institute. Slovakia suspends military support for Ukraine. So Slovakia's outgoing government has halted security assistance for Ukraine. So the Smer SD party or or Slovak Social Democracy Party, they won last week's elections on a platform of ending military aid to Kiev. So the outgoing government announced that it would halt shipping weapons to Ukraine, um, I guess, to follow the policy of the incoming government. And this is government, uh, well, Robert Fico, who's the leader of the Smur SD party, he was given the responsibility to form a new government. He needs to form a coalition and get enough of a majority in the 150-seat parliament. His party has 42 seats. There's two parties that he's expected to coalition with. Um, And then you have another NATO country that is not going to be supplying military aid to Ukraine. The British apparently are out of weapons, and Poland said they're going to stop sending new weapons, although, you know, they're still going to serve as the hub for NATO deliveries into Ukraine. But still, this all these cracks emerging, I think, are significant to some level. All right, the next one here, Senator Schumer leads congressional delegation to China. So Senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer arrived in China on Saturday. Schumer and five other senators are the first American legislators to visit China since 2019. The delegation's visit comes as the relationship between Washington and Beijing has severely deteriorated. Um, so this is kind of big because with the hysteria in Washington, you know, I'm surprised to see a congressional delegation going over there because, you know, and of course it's happening. The Republicans are all calling them, you know, Chinese, you know, uh, saying that they're kowtowing to Beijing and all that. Um, But Kyle mentions here, oh, actually, sorry, it's not just Democrats going there. Six senators are going, three Democrats and three Republicans. Um, And they're trying to get a a meeting with President Xi, and a Chinese official seemed to think that that might be possible. Um, So we'll see. They're in China now, and we'll see how how uh, how it goes down. Um, And they're planning to confront China about some issues, you know, including the fentanyl crisis, which they blame on China. Um, They recently sanctioned Chinese companies for making precursors to fentanyl, which I I don't see the logic there. Um, But anyway, we'll see how this plays out with the um, with the situation in China with all the tensions. All right, so the last one here, Turkish warplanes strike U.S. allied Kurds in Syria. This is from Kyle again. Uh, He wrote this over the weekend. And Kyle, on Saturday, he did a great job covering the situation in Israel uh, while I was off. 
So the conflict between U.S. allies continued to escalate when a Turkish warplane bombed sites used by Kurdish fighters in northeastern Syria. So this happened after, um, if you remember last week, there's, I believe it was Thursday, the U.S. said that it downed a Turkish drone as Turkey was bombing the SDF in northeast Syria, which is the U.S.-backed force there. And this has always been just a point of contention between the U.S. and Turkey. And on Friday, there was a lot more Turkish strikes against them. They said that they hit 30 targets in Syria. Um, so it's just a situation kind of to keep an eye on because you have two NATO countries on, on the opposite sides here and one being the U.S. So, you know, it is just kind of a demonstration of how U.S. policy in Syria is just such a mess. Um, but that is it for the news for today. And, you know, the big thing we're going to be keeping an eye on this week is this situation in Israel and Gaza. And, you know, let's hope and pray that, I don't know, there's some kind of miracle and things de-escalate, but I don't see that happening. Um, you know, it's just really unfortunate to see. And I know, you know, from, I have a pretty wide variety of listeners. I've gotten a lot of more people, you know, coming from the right, uh, that are against the U.S. involvement in Ukraine. But I know a lot of people on that side tend to generally favor, you know, supporting Israel. So I'm curious to see what the reaction is going to be and just curious what people's thoughts are. Um, you know, the anti-war non-interventionist position is that the U.S. shouldn't be involved. And it's also worth explaining, you know, why this situation happened. We have to uh, understand these things similar to Ukraine and how NATO provoked the invasion. Um, doesn't mean we're justifying any kind of, you know killing or anything in any of these conflicts. Um, but go check out our viewpoints. We have one from Caitlin Johnson. Speaking of which, they're repeating the word unprovoked again, this time in defense of Israel. One from Ted Snyder, listening to Lavrov. One from Ralph Schollhammer, when it when Canadian politicians praised a Nazi. One from Judge Knapp, a constitution the government evades. And our spotlight is from Branko Marchteach, NATO says the quiet part out loud. So go check all that out. That's it for me for today. Um, you can always help us out by sharing the show, commenting, and all that stuff. Follow me on social media, at Uh That's my Twitter account. Um, but yeah, you know the drill. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with some more news. Thanks for listening.